Welcome to Top Docs. I'm Mike Merrill. Today, I'm talking with Ferize Kosravani about her film, Radiograph of a Family. Right at the top of the interview, we go into what the film is about. We'll save that summary for the actual interview, but I will say that this is more than a radiograph or x-ray of a family. It's an x-ray of a society, but that doesn't do full justice to the way in which Ferize's divided house holds a family that loves each other, but is struggling with the reality of the Iranian revolution, a revolution that Fruze shows compellingly wasn't just at the grand political level, but took place in the families and the hearts and minds of the people of Iran. And she does so with great craft, with attention to detail, using dramatic methods like actors reading a script that she's prepared. My knowledge of this time in Iran was very much influenced by the American media, and Fruze does a masterful job of explaining ways which we all can learn from. This film has been widely recognized. It won the International Documentary Film of Amsterdam Award for Best Feature Length Documentary. It's won awards at Lisbon's Film Festival, the Middle East Now Film Festival, and has been nominated for awards at many, many film festivals. Coming up, my discussion with Fruze about her film, Radiograph of a Family. I just want to welcome you. Thank you for coming. And this is just a beautifully crafted film, and we're going to talk about it in detail. But just to start, can you explain the title of the film? I was thinking to give this uh, name. It is a like an x-ray of not just our family. It's the x-ray of a home the backbone of my mother, of the history of a society, also a revolution. And I wanted also to use it because of my radiologist father and scoliosis of my mother. I like to go deep under the skin of a family. The movie opens by an empty house, everything's covered, and the camera slowly pushes into the house. And we'll see versions of this house over and over again in the film. I took it to be an idealized version of your memory of your family's house in Tehran. Is that? Yeah, that was it. I imagined as a child, that was my home, my our native space of the film as well. I used this microcosmos of inside home as the reflection of what has happened outside. So a revolution took place in this house. And this is like all revolutions, a shift of power. It divided the house in two. That was an, a very artistic attempt to create two different space. One is my father land and one is my mother. When the revolution has happened and a shift of power, some, someone won, some lost, in this film, after the revolution, my mother won and my father lost. Before revolution, it was vice versa. I used the relationship of my parents as a metaphor that was really fit with the history because my father represent before revolution and my mother after revolution. And we're going to dig into that a lot more. We have the narrator who's speaking your lines, says, mother married father's photograph. And this is a very 
mysterious line to us at first. And then the shot right after the title card is, in fact, a photograph of your mother. And she's sitting there in her bridal outfit. And there's a photograph of your father. Can you explain why she married a photograph of your father? It has really happened. So it was not a, just a symbolically telling this sentence, which is absurd. So in reality, my mother married a photograph, an image of my father. At that time, my father couldn't turn back to Iran to do the ceremony. And for him, it was a, just a formal ritual. But I use it to intrigue the storytelling from the beginning. As you said, your father was in Geneva, so it literally is because he's not there. But also, I think it may indicate some distance beyond geography, right? Certainly the difference in their ages. Uh, your mother, I believe, was much younger than your father. And also maybe suggesting some of the differences in worldview. My father was 18 years older than my mother. He was a man of the world of 60s and he was uh, achieved all the values of modern life kind of occidentalization but i think he had the best of both cultures iranian and westernized one so he combined the best of two together he was not just a doctor but also a lover of arts and music so my mother came from a traditionalist and more religious roots and went to Switzerland and she felt out of place. She felt that she couldn't belong in that reality. She couldn't find herself. She was not at her ease. My father tried to make her comfortable and to introduce her the lifestyle in Europe. He did it also maybe with not pressure, but he imposed some values to her. He tried to, and he thought that she will be attracted by this modern life, but she was far from her values, her religious, so she couldn't adapt herself. And the other thing that's opening that really does is highlights the use of photography. We actually see your camera shot of a photograph with a photograph within it. The photography used in this film isn't just kind of abstracted photographs. It's like pictures and albums with serrated edges. You feel like you're not just in the photographs. You feel like you're looking at the photographs, maybe with you, maybe with someone else. Can you talk about your use of photography? The core idea of this film came from the family album. We have a diverse range of pictures in our family albums, and it was already telling the story of contrasts and many different experiences gathered in the albums of one family. This film is the result of the long process of selection. First, there were some pictures that made the arc of the dramatic arc of the story. And then I tried to extend it with the archival footages to give life and to give uh, sense and to give uh, time to enter in that atmosphere. And then it lacks something of fantasy. So I added the shooting of the home scenes. And the other important thing here is sound. Behind this, we hear actors speaking the lines. The actors you have are tremendous. When we start, one sounds maybe a man on the 
cusp of early middle age and the other a young woman. And it's so important that these actors not only nail that, but they have to actually show this transition, right? So your father moves from being sophisticated and dashing to almost being defeated. And your mother moves from being kind of girlish and naive to really becoming self-actualized, if I could use that term. It was something that I was trying to find a good form, good structure. I arrived to this decision to add dialogues between my parents. I thought that the first person narrator is not enough because it was difficult also to tell the story of me as the narrator and my parents before I was born. In this case, we would lose a big part of the story. Finally, I arrived to this form of having reenactments and stage dialogues because we have written all the dialogues in a fictional fashion because it was a process of writing as a fiction. It was based on a true story, my experience, my childhood memories, but I also considered it is a like a nonfiction writing. And then I tr- tried to find the good actors for the voices. So the voice of my father is a very good Iranian French composer because I needed someone who knows French and who knows music to the whistles. So the whistling part of the classical pieces. And for my mother, I needed a good actress also because my father was stable during the whole time, but my mother was a big change from a very shy and timid voice to a very self-confident and powerful. She does an amazing job. And throughout, as you noted, you give very specific dialogues for these moments. You give imputations of mental states, how your parents are thinking, especially your mother. And you said this was your imagination, right? Did you draw it all from things they told you or diaries or how did you know what happened in their lives? I asked my mother something. I was trying also sometimes to use my imagination. And I thought that something maybe is not real. But sometimes the childhood imagination could be more real than reality because you imagine that. So I felt free to use also, um, it was something between fact and fiction. I was not considering the boundary of reality. As our maestro Kiarostami always told, something is maybe is not real, but it's true. I was considering also to make it from this very personal and local story to a universal language. The effort, the attempt to find a universal language and to link it to a collective experience, very big challenge. Your mother rejects life in Geneva. So she's sort of stuck at home while your father pursues his studies. She's amongst his objects, as you say, and she finds a photo album. She doesn't want to open it on her own. He's a little surprised by this. Of course, go ahead. And they look at it together. They both think this will bring them closer together. But in fact, it, as you note, separates them. And let's start first with the photos of his extended family, of his cousins and so forth. She suggests that it's almost like a different Iran, right? What's different about those photos, especially for our viewers who are are Western, don't really understand. What does she see in those photos that kind of separates her from him? 
Iran was always a complex reality and it was a lot of contradictions and very diverse lifestyles and it was always this bipolarization between modernity and traditionalism. The same dichotomy at home was outside home even before revolution. This playing with the double to be split in the whole film has a place because we are in two Irans, two different Irans even before revolution. My father's cousins has another lifestyle just in a close neighborhood to my mother maybe. So, or a far neighborhood, but in, a, in one city in Tehran. My mother was very surprised because she hasn't seen this Iran in Iran. Their clothing is more revealing and also they're more luxurious. They have more material goods. Not just the luxurious. It was in their outfit. They are more open and revealing dresses they have. And also their behavior very different, very comfortable, very at their ease. And it was like any other women in Europe or in the United States at that time. As we said, your mother never feels fully comfortable in Geneva. She wants to return. And when she becomes pregnant, your father, they have two different visions of your future. Your father imagines European travels and music lessons and private schooling, all the hallmarks of a privileged European education. Your mother has different plans. When you're born, are you going to be named Ada or Farza? You know, this sort of term between the European and the Iranian. And then finally, you have this great photo of you wearing an almost comically Swiss outfit, and then some video of you in a chador praying or mimicking prayer. Can you talk about how these two different visions your parents had for you and what role it played in your life? Yeah, I was really between two lifestyles, two ideologies, two realities, two set of facts and mindsets. I tried to be in this film as neutral as it was possible because it is obvious that I'm more close to my father's values in art and culture and music. And But I fully understand my mother's choices. I wanted to also explain that we can understand both sides. It's not to, to do a choice or judgment between two sides, because each of them has their own logics and reasoning and their viewpoints. I wanted to, to give them equal space to explain and to make them understand. And when they do return to Tehran, we see this great shot of the house, of the interior of the house, very similar camera movement before, but the furniture is uncovered. And we start to see some of this kind of divided land between the two lands, I think you call it. We hear Bach in the background and we see kind of the forbidden painting. We see your mother's prayer rug. So we get a sense of the, these two worlds. I wanted to create these two worlds in terms of decoration. In the, that was the ever-changing furnitures in a house, the evolution of a, occurred in a house. I wanted to have a very slight and slow camera movement in the space, the scanning home, and to observe all the changes, all the small objects which were eliminated or 
replaced, the substitution of the things. Also, the selection of the objects was a process of making this film because I wanted to put all the objects which are meaningful or sinful that make sense in the, this space. Also, the movement of the camera, which is first from the viewpoint of my father and after the revolution is the contrary, so the opposite, the direction. So from my mother's viewpoint. There's this great moment where the door closes between the two worlds and then we invert the camera angle thereafter. So it's really wonderful. And you're born into the family and this changes in many things. One of the things that changes, I think, is some of the filmic techniques you use. So rather than just using photos and archival footage and voice actors, we hear now actual audio of you as a child and maybe your father too. And we now see a young actress playing you running through the house. So why did you decide to change some of your techniques at that moment? The reenactment of the little child. I was trying to have an embodiment of my childhood. And so she was the appearance in a very dreamy way. So I didn't want to have her close just in the long shot and in a very yeah dreamy way. The fact that I wanted to stay at the age of seven in the whole film to give also the notion of no time to make a timeless part of the story after the revolution. So then we gradually, we lose the notion of time. So I stayed at the age of seven and remained in my childhood, <laughs> before revolution. And, and we suddenly see that my father got old and then also my mother. Even in Tehran, your mother doesn't feel that she knows who she is. Your father's had his studies. He's a doctor. He's a lover of classical music. Your mother doesn't know as much. And she's drawn to the teaching of Ali Shariati. I don't know if I said that quite well, but who seeks to reconcile modern modernity and Islam. Can you tell us who he is and what he stood for? Dr. Ali Shariati was the pioneer of the Islamic Revolution. He was a sociologist and studied in France. Uh, he was a really charismatic figure. When many years before the victory of revolution, he began giving lectures and having lessons with a very big community of Iranian modern society. He was introducing a new Islam, very modern interpretation of Islam. And so it was very attractive for the people like my mother. He did a very big influence to prepare the revolutionary idea and to encourage the people. But he hasn't seen the result of his activities. So he died just before the came of Khomeini. That's really good for uh, American viewers, because I think when we think the Iranian revolution, we only think of Khomeini and we only think of the very religious, but there were others. There were Marxists, there were nationalists, there were people who just disliked the Shah's cruelty and corruption, like broad spectrum of different people came together. Yeah, it has happened in many Muslim countries. They arose of a figure of intellectual who introduced a modern Islam 
And recently also in Arab Springs, we had, uh, but in Iran who came more than 45 years ago, or 50 years ago. The relationship of your parents as your mother becomes more religious and she begins to challenge some of the things that are happening in the house. So again, you have the, another great shot of the house. This time we see up front a table with some playing cards and some wine on it. And we hear jazzy music and convivial sounds. And your mother calls to your father and says, how can you bring alcohol into the house? This is a place where I pray. And what's very interesting is your father's response isn't defensive or in denial or anger or even frustration. He's sort of babble. He's sort of, it's hard to say exactly. He accepts it. He understands it. We might think this could become a version of the revolution, a little bit of a war or a battle, but in yeah. fact, it seems like your parents maintained a loving tone between them despite their differences. Yeah. That uh, moment I decided to not have the answer of my father and the viewers told me that they tried to say something in their own, in the place of my father. So that was a like an unfinished conversation. But the reality was that in that situation, that my father, as a part of society, had no power. And they were marginalized and they were isolated. They were not being recognized by the official system anymore. That is the thing that someone like my father, because if my mother represents a part of Iranian society and my father another part, my father is like many Iranians who accepted the situation with tolerance, with tenderness, with respect, with caring. That was the turn of others. So they had to accept that it's not anymore their turn. Uh, I think a really interesting moment is your father's been called asked to a radiology conference in Italy. You all go and Shariati dies in London and your mother wants to go to the funeral. And it's a really interesting moment for a lot of reasons. Uh, one of which your father says, stay. And she says, he changed my life or you know, changed the way I view my life. And your father says, well, your life is me and your daughter. And at the very moment, she switches to French, right? And she says, if you won't go, I'll go alone. And you talk about this as the code language, as a way of protecting you. Also, though, to me, it really seemed like a moment where she uses his language. She uses the language of Europe to push back on him. I wanted to also explain that it was the moment that my mother already feel self-confident. Through Shariati, she gained an identity, a social identity, a professional later identity, working as a principal of the school. And the fact that she decided to go there alone was an act of emancipation. I wanted also to show the power and empowerment of the women in this transition. It was the beginning of a new identity and empowerment and the emancipation of the women in a very feministic also viewpoint. When the revolution does occur, your mother finds herself very much in, in the midst of it. As she grows though, and she grows impressively, you sort of feel left behind, I think. She becomes a teacher at a girl's school, replacing someone dismissed by the revolutionaries and eventually becomes its principal. As you say, it's almost as if she now has other daughters, ones in some ways who are closer to her in their outlook and their place in society. 
This is also something that could break the cliche that Islamic Republic is against the empowerment of women or the women's activity. It's the time to ask which women, because the women like my mother find themselves at their ease in public spaces at work. Maybe if the revolution has not happened, they stayed at home. This Islamification of the social spaces was something very, very good for them. And again, as a Western person, I tend to think, oh, well, your father would have been the one who would have been for liberation of women, but he isn't thrilled with her. Your place is with us. He says, oh, I'll get you into Geneva. We'll go to university. She says, now you tell me this, you know, it's too little too late. I found my place. She actually makes a pretty strong case that the revolution has brought women out of the house. It's given them meaning and it's made them not commodified, not objectified. Yeah. Yeah. And before you ask me about their relationship and their love story, and I can say also the fact that there was love over all the differences and they stayed till the end under one roof in a house in Tehran. The message or the thing that I wanted to share is that life is and love is more important than any ideologies because can disappear in any moment. But what remain is. Then your mother actually goes for military training. And you have some amazing footage here of Iranian women training, fully veiled. They're shooting rifles, machine guns, even RPGs. Uh, yeah. RPGs, that, that's a kick. That, that's not yeah. easy. And I found this footage, it was like a gift. I thought that hey, it's incredible. I have to use it. In reality, that training was just something more propaganda and it was just in case there is a need to the participation of women in the front so it was cautionary training and then it it was no need because it needed a jihad from Khomeini in the case of emergency that fortunately has not happened but for a, a child it was something serious so I couldn't understand that is something just for the training and it's not to go to the war, to participating in the front line. My mother went to the front, to the backstage of the war to help the soldiers, but not as a military. The way you deal with this, there's a scene where you're dealing with this kind of separation from your mother in some ways, not real separate, but she's got another life now. You show a scene and it's reprised after the credits. She's ripped, come home and ripped up the photographs, uh, especially of her unveiled or westernized photographs. As you say, destroying some of your father's memories in the process. You uh, go and retrieve some of the ripped up images and you put them down and you begin to draw around them. In the particular one you show, you actually have two different photographs. One is your mother. It seems like an unveiled uh, photograph you're drawing in. And then another of her and friends, again, kind of casual picture, and you're drawing the two together. And I saw this both as you coping psychologically with some of this distance with your mother, but also this is indicative of your career. This is where you're headed, right? This was the first idea of making this film because I thought that the Torah pictures of a Torah family, of a Torah history in a Torah society, and the fact that when I was a child, 
I was trying to paint around to draw around the missing pieces of the these mutilated pictures. And I thought that this is something why my mother tore up her past memories, her beautiful pictures. And then I discovered it was not just my mother, and it was many, many women. They wanted to uh, eliminate their hijabless past or the pictures which are not appropriate anymore. The fact that this mutilated album became my coloring book. And it was also the fuel of my imagination because I was trying to understand which was my aunt's knee or this is my, my grandmother's neck. or And I think with the same intention, I did this film to recollect and reconstruct the past with the missing parts, trying to find the missing parts of our collective past. Listening to Persian, it's this beautiful language. And as I said, your actors speak it so beautifully with such nuance, but I don't know the language. It's an Indo-European language. So I pick up some words like mother and father and daughter, but when non-Persian words appear, it really strikes you. When your mother comes home and decides to remove some of the luxury from the house, she removes the tableau, the painting. She removes the crystal, the stemware. And I wondered, does that strike you when you're listening? Do you hear those words as being kind of rejection also of the European influence? Yeah. But that was a very revolutionary act. That was just in the fever of the revolutionary years. Not anymore. That was like a war against any configuration of westernized life objects and luxury. That was a cult of living in simplicity. Before we reach the very end of the film, you give us a kind of historical tour of your father's life. You show photographs of your father through time, from a boy through his, his scholarly life. I remember his son, yeah. And you ended on what you imagine, you hope he was thinking of when he passed away, which is you show some grainy footage of skiing and the sound behind it is this French chanson. It's a French singing. Can you talk about why those, why that combination? I was trying to give a very symmetrical form to the film. We began with the picture of the marriage and I wanted to finish the film with a radiograph, a picture of the tore up backbones of a fracture, of a twist, of a deviation of my mother's spines. At the end, I wanted to use this imagination that I slept and then when I woke up, my father was old and to see the last picture. And then to go back to his sweet memories of past. So from his childhood to the years, the Belle Epoque of Geneva and then his graduation and his working as a, he loves his profession. He was a very committed radiologist. But I don't want it to have a very heavy, dark, sad ending. So I wanted to put also the music of the cafe in Switzerland with his friends sang using the Super 8 exposure of the burn Super 8 was something. So it was something visually reconstructed, we crafted it. It was really that 
this is the dominance of the image over narrative is more related to the visual arts, especially in painting. In paintings, different elements shape the artwork, sometimes in contrast, sometimes in harmony. And we did the same in harmony and in, the, in contrast in the realization of this film. So it was thousands and thousands of um, choices for each photogram, for each word. At the end of the film, you show a shot of you and your father and you talk about always being there. And then you pull back and it shows, I think, your real house. Your mother is actually there and she's on a chair. We see her walker near her, reminder of her challenges with her back. She asks you for the Quran, which you hand to her. She begins to pray and you walk over, like you said, to the table and you pull up an x-ray. It's indicative of your father's work and also of your mother's backbone or spine. And also uh, an intervention and operation went wrong. So uh, that was the result of a surgery. But I wanted also to use it as a metaphor. This is, as I said, a beautifully crafted film. And as we noted, as we've spoken, it's a film in which you use these small moments to talk about the revolution. You talk about Iranian culture and the changes in Iran, but also in some ways, the, it's still about your family and it's very rooted there as well. A very personal picture. I think that it is a very good thing to share the story of us and our childhood memories make us storytellers of us. I think that is something very difficult, very vulnerable because it's, it's challenging. Maybe I experienced the deepest sufferings and also a kind of therapy, a kind of auto-analysis and lots of struggling with my past and with this film. And so to transform this life experience into art, this raw materials of your life experience in a cinematographic language. It was a really difficult task, but I'm happy that this film made me and it continues to do. It was a, also a pleasure during five years of making this film. Is there anyone you wanted to thank for the film? Is there anybody in particular you wanted to thank? The film was a privilege I was very lucky to work with a highly professional team in Iran and also in Norway and Switzerland. This film had the best of Iranian colleagues. In Iran, we are a very good cinema. So <laughs> it was a great pleasure to work with many good artists in this film their vision, their good taste, and their wisdom entered in this film. This film benefits all the qualities of a very good team in Iran. And then I went to Norway for the post-production, so I had the best color grading and sound pre-mix and mix. And I had several consultants in Europe, but in particular, I want to thank to Iranian producer Majid Barzegar, to Norwegian producers Bard and Fabian, and to Swiss producer Joel, and my colleague, the art director, Morteza Ahmadman, the editor, Farahnaz Sharifi, 
and the whole group of writing consultants, creative consultants, and especially the greenhouse workshop, which gave a lot to contribute to this film. I'm grateful, deeply grateful.